You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Luke chapter 2 is a familiar passage around this time of year as we think about the Christmas story. And we want to begin reading this morning in verse number 1. It says, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there that days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And so we have this story. We have this picture that is given to us of this child born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger. And then the scene switches and it's really this next sort of scene or location that we've been focusing on this Christmas season. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with that one angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We've talked about God's glory and how we are to live our lives to the glory of God Almighty. We talked about the joy that, that the angels brought, this good tidings of great joy. And today we want to talk about peace. It says, glory to, the God, glory to God in the highest, the angels sang, and they said, on earth, peace. In heaven, there was great glory. There was, there, you can imagine the rejoicing. As Jesus came down from heaven to be born a baby. And then the angel said that on the earth would be peace. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because in the 2,000 years since Jesus came, I would not think that we would mark that history as being one of great peace. Certainly not in our time do we have peace. We have countries at war, even this morning as we speak. We have uh, lack of peace in our, in our own country. We have lack of peace often even within ourselves. And yet Jesus Christ is the way to peace. He is the path to peace. 
Jesus, or Luke says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 79 that Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's an interesting phrasing and an interesting visual that that gives us to guide our feet into the way of peace. I've used this illustration about scripture because Psalm says that the Bible is a lamp unto our feet, but is there anything worse than walking at night without a light? Now, Sometimes I'll go out in my house and, and I'll walk some, you know, maybe I'll walk out to the garage or I'll walk somewhere else without a light if I know that I'm going to stay on the, the concrete. If I'm going to stay on the sidewalk or the driveway, somewhere where I know it's smooth, hopefully I don't trip over anything that's unforeseen. Man, you ever been out hiking and, and then all of a sudden the sun goes down a little quicker than you anticipated? I have. You're walking along, maybe the moon's up or maybe the sun's not quite down and you think you've got enough light until that branch lets you know you don't. Right? And then, man, the best thing in the world is if you got a flashlight or if you got a headlamp. And what do you do? You shine it in the direction you're going. Can you imagine someone walking through the woods at night and they've got their flashlight and they're walking backwards? want to be careful I don't walk backwards. <laughs> right? They say, well, I just want to make sure nothing's following me. I want to make sure that where I came from is the right way. That's not what we do, right? We turn to where we're going. And the Bible says that Jesus guides our feet on the path of peace. He is the pathway to peace. Jesus himself taught, that we would sometimes have conflicts. Scripture's so interesting, isn't it? Luke chapter 2, we read there in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Well, wait a second. We think that's exactly why you came. But Jesus said, don't think that. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me or more than life is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, of course, Jesus is talking here about our priorities. That Jesus just doesn't come into our life and make everything perfect. Our priorities need to be following after him. And sometimes when that happens, that's going to bring us into conflict with somebody else. That can come because of, of sin. 
That can come because of maybe the way in which we live our lives or the testimony that we have, but there can be conflict in our relationships as we follow Jesus Christ. We shouldn't seek those conflicts. We shouldn't seek to be contentious or offensive. The Bible says the opposite, and we're going to look at that this morning, but Jesus does say that there's times that conflicts will come. Even when we try to avoid conflicts, sometimes they come to us. But through Jesus Christ is the pathway to peace. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we don't often think about, I think, peace in the right way. Matter of fact, if you hear about peace, uh, and, and it's not talking about some kind of a ge geopolitical thing, most of the time when people talk about peace, they talk about an inner peace. And they talk about peace with themselves, that we are at peace. And that sounds great. But our greatest need is not inner peace. It's not peace with ourselves. Our greatest need is to be at peace with God. Because the Bible says we're born separated from God. We're born really as an enemy of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Paul is talking here in the book of Ephesians about the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. We spent a lot of time talking about this this year as we've gone through the book of Romans. And here in Ephesians chapter 2, Jesus talked about the Jews as those who were near to God. They weren't necessarily followers of Jesus, but they were close because they worshiped Jehovah God, they, they had a basis of understanding that who the Messiah was and the need for the Messiah. And then he talks about Gentiles and he says they were far away. They didn't have that, that foundation. But he said God has torn down the middle wall of separation, having abolished, verse 15, in his flesh, the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And then he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. See, here Paul is saying that through Christ we have peace with God and we have peace with other believers. The things that might otherwise separate us are overcome through Christ. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death 
to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. The entire Trinity is at work in reconciling us to God, to making us at peace with God. See, the Bible says this, that when we're born, we are born in sin. We don't like to think about that. When we see a new baby, we don't naturally go, whew, that is one sinner. That is not usually how we describe a newborn baby. That's how we describe a toddler. Amen? Just kidding. <laughs> kind of. I've had parents say, could you lay hands on him and just her? Who knows? But when a baby's first born, we think of it as perfect. But the Bible says that spiritually, there is a separation between man and God at birth. That while physically we are born, spiritually we are dead. And so God loved the world. He sent his son to die for us. The Holy Spirit works to bring us to the point of repentance. And when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, and as Jesus said in John chapter 3, we are born again. We are spiritually made alive. God takes us from a slave to sin to a son or a daughter in his family. We talked about this, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God reconciles us to himself and brings us at peace with himself. One of the great things that happens at Christmas time, hopefully, sometimes, is family gathering together. Maybe sons or daughters or, or grandchildren or, or whatever come home, come together as a family. And, and in an idea, ideal situation, right? On the perfect Hallmark movie, everybody gets along and everybody's happy to see people when they're there. Now, I recognize that maybe that's not exactly the way it happens, but there is joy in coming together as a family and there can be, be great love there. That's what God does to us. And in, in that perfect way, in the perfect love that he has, God brings us to himself and we are at peace with God. The father is involved. The son is involved. It's through his sacrifice. He's the path to peace. And the Holy Spirit is involved. The Bible says that the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace. Romans says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. God first gives us his peace. And then we can have peace in this world. We can have peace within ourselves. 
Jesus said in John chapter 14, as he was preparing his disciples, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now that's interesting what Jesus said, right? Peace I leave with you. Leave that up for a few minutes. Or we'll see. Uh, Just for now. (laughs) What happened to Jesus' followers? Tradition says that all of the disciples of Jesus were martyred except for John. John didn't get martyred. They dipped him in boiling oil. That didn't kill him. And then they, he was exiled onto the island of Patmos where he received a vision from God and wrote the book of Revelation Tradition tells us that he died an old man, but he was tortured and persecuted for his faith. And all of the others were tortured and persecuted to the point of death. And it it didn't just happen once. We know uh, from the details that we have of the Apostle Paul that he was arrested. He was beaten. uh, Mobs went after him. He was shipwrecked. Peace I leave with you? See, that's not my vision of peace, right? My vision of peace is like happily ever after. For me, that's a little cabin with a nice little lake and surrounded by mountains, but the but the you know the weather's perfect there all the time, the trout jump and the fish or the uh, birds chirp and everything's great. You know, the deer come down and drink from the brook, and there's a little bunny rabbit there too, and that's peace, amen? And also, not real. And it certainly wasn't real for the followers of Jesus. They were persecuted. Their life was in turmoil. But Jesus said, my peace I didn't put it on the screen this morning, but when I think about peace, I'm always thinking about, or it always comes to my mind, the story when Jesus calmed the storm. Remember that story, don't you? The disciples, who many were experienced fishermen, many of them grew up on a boat, and they're on the Sea of Galilee, and they're crossing, and a Storm rolls up and the boat begins to be swamped and Jesus is asleep. They come and they wake him up and they say, Master, don't you care that we're about to die? I mean, these guys thought this was the end. And it wasn't because they weren't experienced with with a boat and they weren't experienced on the water. This was a bad storm. And Jesus gets up and says, peace be still, and the water is calm, and the winds obey him, and the disciples are amazed. No wonder he could sleep through the storm. The storm was in his control. But for us, sometimes life seems to toss us back and forth, and we are far from in control. But we are at peace with the one who is. Jesus didn't say, 
be at peace. He said, I'm going to leave you my peace. Peace with God allows us to be at peace even in this volatile world. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6, Scripture says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, which is our request, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a powerful couple of verses that is. Because it's, I mean, really, as a follower of Jesus, we would never become anxious about anything, right? I mean, Everything we face in our life, we're just like, well, I don't need to worry about that at all because God's in control and I know everything is just going to be perfect. But that's not, that's not how we react, is it? And rightfully so, we face difficulties. I, listen, I'm not trying to tell you this morning that you just ought to, you know, give it to God and everything will be perfect. But what he does say is we can go to God. We can give him our prayers. We can give him our requests. We can be thankful that he is the one who is in control. And then the peace of God, what does he say there? Will guard your hearts and your minds. Man, that's my prayer this morning, that the peace of God would guard my heart and my mind, that my emotions would not be out of control with worry and anxiety, that my mind and my thoughts would not just go to, to things that are bad or things that I might worry about, but that God's peace would guard me. And he says it's a peace that passes all understanding, that when people will look at you, they'll be like, that does not make sense. Man, I want a God's peace. I want a peace that doesn't make sense. Amen? Amen? And that comes from our relationship with God. We mentioned this earlier, but not only does God desire for us to have that inner peace, but he also has a desire for us to have peace with other believers. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 1, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33 says this, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. That's not always the testimony of Christians, is it? Boy, if there's one place you can go and it's nothing but peace, go to church. Have you ever thought about, as Christians, we can fight over anything. Why is the carpet on the stage blue, but the carpet on here is gray or blue and gray or whatever color you think that is? Who decided that? Why are some of the chairs 
purple and some of the chairs blue. And I like sitting in the purple chairs, but not the blue ones or uh, whatever. Some of the chairs have pockets on the back and some of them don't. And why are we singing that song this morning? And I thought it was a little loud and someone else says, I thought it was a little soft. And then someone says, it's a little cold in here. And somebody else says, no, it's, a li- it's too warm. Amen? And it's kind of dark this morning and someone else is like, really? Because I could use, turn those lights down just a little bit. And it's funny to think about, but man, we get fired up about stuff like that, don't we? I've told this story before, but I was on living on the East Coast. I was a youth pastor. I had a couple of friends who were at a certain church, and it was the largest Baptist church in the state. And one Sunday morning, the, I think it's called the Wilmington News Journal. I can't remember now, but it's the biggest paper in the state of Delaware or was. So a newspaper is a thing that they print. Well, you guys just Google it. You'll see it. There's, that's true. They're already Googling it. But the teenagers, they don't know what a newspaper is either. But there was a newspaper in the front page of the newspaper talked about how the state police were called to the business meeting for that church. Peace, amen? (laughs) They had a business meeting, and the pastor's son ended up jumping on the back of and attacking physically one of the head deacons. I know. We're going to have a business meeting the end of January. I can't wait. Working out already. No, I'm just kidding. That's horrible. And, you know, we we can talk about that. Maybe it doesn't come out like that sometimes in our church, but it just comes to where, you know, I'm just not going to really talk to that person anymore. Well, I just, you know... Is that any less contentious? That's certainly not what God desires from us. All right, I'll say it. I'm going to skip down. I'm going to go out of order. Sorry, Dale. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22 says this. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. What that just means is if you have a conflict with someone to the point that you want to call them a name, either you do or you think it, you're in danger of judgment. And then Jesus said this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. God would rather that you not give a sacrifice to him, but that you go and restore a relationship. 
than to give a gift. And I was thinking about this this week. One of the major things I see as I counsel people, as I deal with my own relationships, is we often have a conflict or a difficulty, and then who's going to blink? Who's going to take the step to try to make reconciliation? And we'll say, well, that person said that thing. That person did this thing. That person made me mad. And so whenever they want to come apologize, I'll talk to them. The Bible says this. Through Adam and Eve, man sinned against God. As a race, we offended a holy God. And there is nothing that we could do to restore relationship. And God came to us. God, the one who had been, what did God do? God created the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment, gave Adam and Eve two commands, and they couldn't even keep those. Unless you just want to blame Adam and Eve, I think any of us probably would have done the exact same thing. We, as mankind, offended God. Thank him that he didn't go, well, when you can get your act together, let me know. Matter of fact, I'll paraphrase, but when we didn't have our act together, God came to us. That's the celebration of Christmas. That God so loved the world that he gave. So as men and women who have been the object of God's love and grace and forgiveness. The Bible says we're to be ministers of reconciliation. Can I just tell you, call, text, email, whatever you need to do. Don't be a person who says, well, you know, that person just, they just, they know where I'm at. They've got my number. What if God had had that attitude with us? We'd still be in darkness. But Jesus sent his son excuse me, God sent his son Jesus for us. He loved us. He reached out to us. And all we have to do is receive. And so as you maybe are thinking about some relationships this Christmas season, I would challenge you. Could you just do for someone else what God did for you and just put them in a position where all they have to do is receive? God desires that we have peace with him, that we have peace within ourselves, that we have peace with other believers, and then finally, that we have peace with everyone. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 says this, Repay no one evil for evil. 
Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Can I just tell you, if you've gone to church here for very long, you've heard me read that passage of scripture out of Romans chapter 12 at some point. I preached through the book of Romans. I preached about it. I've preached Romans 12 before. I use that passage quite a bit. Say, is that because, preacher, you see a lot of people who need that verse? No, it's because I need that verse. Listen, I like to fight. I, I like to argue. I like to fight. Now, I'm not, I don't like it as much as I used to. I think I'm just getting old and tired. You know what I mean? I've told this story before. My wife's not here this morning. She's sick. She might be watching, so maybe I'll hear about it. But we got married. We never fought hardly at all when we dated. We were in love. You know how that is. Everything was going to be perfect. We get married. Everything was perfect, but there began to be a conflict or two. Some mornings I just wake up in a bad mood. I wanted to have a fight. You know what I mean? Some of you don't know what I mean at all. Some of you are like, you're a jerk. But some of you are like, I get it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, my wife made me so mad. She just wouldn't fight. What's the fun in that? Just thought we'd get up, get the blood flowing, scream at each other a little bit. Let's go. She, she just wouldn't do it. It bothered me. It was good for me. God knew what he was doing when he gave me her. As much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. We're not going to get along with everybody. Not everybody's going to like us. But we need to strive to do everything we can to not be offensive. To not be the cause of someone having a disagreement with us. That can be difficult. We live in a world where, man, if someone, you know, if someone does something to us, we want to go right back at them. Someone says something to us, we want to say something to them. But that's not how God would have us to act. We're to be agents of peace. I want to just end this morning out of Romans chapter 5. For when we were still without strength, verse 6, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Let us walk in this world as men and women at peace with God. Having his peace within us, guarding our hearts 
and our minds. And as we do, let us seek to have relationships of peace with other believers and with the world as well, that we might share and show Jesus to them. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious God, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, I thank you that in you there is peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. Lord, I thank you for your son who came to be a sacrifice for us. Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that does not know you as Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation, that they would talk to maybe whomever they came with or talk to me or somebody else that they know that could show them from God's word how they could know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, help us to take that peace we have in you and to share and show it to others this week. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.